Just a reminder to our dear listeners out there that this episode was recorded before the SAG after strike took hold, so we were still able to get talent to speak to us before the ongoing negotiations had kicked in. Well, if last week wasn't awkward for you, this week is still awkward because we have the same awkward family in one movie, at least, and a different awkward family in another, as we're talking about the adults and Gretel and Hansel with Sophia Lewis here on Overdue Rentals. Welcome back, everybody, to Overdue Rentals, the show where we talk about films that were just overlooked somehow. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were widely loved, but they just don't get talked about the way they used to. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And it's about time for us to get lost in the woods today. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I know this is a film that was new to me, uh, <laughs> even though it is a very a fairly recent picture. Uh, we have Gretel and Hansel as our overdue rental, which you may have heard the story about a young girl and a boy kind of lost uh, in the woods, as one does find themselves. And they encounter an older woman who has her own diabolical schemes to be considered. Yeah, and it's starring Sophia Lewis, who is with us again, talking about her new film, The Adults, about a group of siblings who, when one returns after a long hiatus of not being together with the rest of the family, finally get through some issues that they've been dealing with with a long time. And, um, you know, we won't stick on to it too much before we get Sophia in here, because we did talk about it last week with Michael. So uh, Michael Sarah, that is, who also stars in the film. So you probably heard that if you're listening here again. Um, and if you haven't, go back and listen to that one, then come back and listen to this one. But, uh, you know, it's um, it's a lot of fun stuff for them to do in this movie. And so let's, we'll talk to Sophia about that and see how, how, how that uh, all panned out for her. Well, you know, you'll talk to her because I wasn't present for these interviews, sadly. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, Mike had a, a conflict of interest. <laughs> Excuse me, conflict of timing. Scheduling conflict. <laughs> Which is technically a conflict of interest, I guess. I guess. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get Sophia here to give us uh, the lowdown on on both these films. Dear listeners, please welcome Sophia Lewis on Overdue Rentals. Sophia, thank you so much for your time. Yes, no problem. Thank you. I'm going to start by apologizing that because I have an outboard camera here and I'm going to look down sometimes and that's not not being rude. I was going to apologize too. This is is like reaching towards the end of the day here. So I'm slowly losing it. I, I gotta, I gotta say, gotta be honest. So um, I may not make sense. <laughs> well, so. if you feel like breaking out into any character voices and dancing around, you know, hey, it's gotta be what it's gotta be, right? If that helps yeah. you get the energy. And you'll have it recorded. <laughs> well, speaking about that specifically though, because yes. that's something that where, you know, I think a lot of people would see a movie like this and I'm, I'm just, I'm just assuming I'm putting people, I'm putting thoughts in people's heads that they may not have, but they're like, Oh, you know, they get to put on funny voices and dance around. Like, and they're they're just having fun. But like, I would imagine that there's actually a lot more that goes behind this that actually makes it tougher. And it's a little, maybe less fun than people may think it may be. Oh, this was so much fun. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I actually, it was, it was really fun to do because I don't really play a lot of these characters that really get it. I get a chance to, you know, uh, act out, you know, and, and really, and uh, I don't really play many funny characters, um, but I am, as a, as a person, I, I do have a very physical sense of humor um, and getting to play this character again, it was, it was kind of like, um, uh, like back when I was a, a kid doing, you know, uh, theater, uh, I was like, I played Winthrop Peru when I was really young, uh, music man. And I, that was the, one of the last times I ever really got to go, you know, <laughs> really act out in that way and, and, and be a kid again and, and, and getting a chance to do it. Um, and with, with such amazing people, it's just, it was really freeing, you know, I get to actually play this, you know, character and it's, it's less of area. A lot of the other ones are, you know, I, I love the other characters I play, but they're also very like, they internalize everything, like everything mm-hmm. sad that's happened, they internalize it and they only show a little bit, you know, and I have to be very reserved and think about like, what can I show in this moment and what can I do in this moment? But uh, Maggie, the character that I play acts as more of a mediator where she, she is going through something, but she, she's uh, used as to, to help other people, but uh, 
help go through it, you know, and, and her, her family and, and, uh, their internalized, uh, um, issues that they're going on. Uh, and she's the one trying to act out and doing the opposite mm. and trying to show them, yes, you can, you know, uh, uh, kind of be a kid again this is us together and uh can't you remember what it was like you know it's, it's so it was it, it's it's kind of heartbreaking in its own way her character but uh uh getting to play that role and um getting to really <laughs> do my <laughs> not not the most uh 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 I didn't like take any classes or anything yeah. so it's not like the most professional singing and dancing choreography that you've seen, but it's, you know, it's not supposed to be. So that's, that's what made it fun. Well, it's just interesting the way you put it too, because I think there's a lot of people and including myself, maybe when starting the movie, cause you know, you're trying to dig and find out things for yourself as the movie's going along and for the more sensitive and what, yeah, this is, I, this, the only reason I'm using this word is because my brain's also shutting down. I can't think of anything else, okay. but the more damage aspects maybe of Maggie, you may start to think that it's like something about her past that you don't know, but it's it's more about this idea that she can't heal the rift that she wants to heal. And so it's, it's still her and it still fit, hurts her, but it, it's, it's much more of an outward thing than you may think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I also, the one thing, I think this is sort of related to your question. I'm trying to remember, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm just going to go off and I, I was talking about this with someone, which I really loved about the script um, is uh, the way Dustin writes these characters and, and just writes in general. He doesn't overshare. He doesn't give, have to have the characters have a reason to do what they're doing. And, you know, I'm really angry with them and I, I really like my goal, main goal in this scenario is, is to get something from this person. And mm -hmm. this is why I act the way I act. And we don't, you know, it's not like we, we, I don't say like, I'm actually really angry at you guys right now. Like, I don't say that outwardly because you don't need to, there's not like a, an oversharing, um, a sense of writing, um, in, in his, in his, his scripts. It's just very, it's, it's simple. It's about a family and it's about these relationships and that's all how complicated it needs to be. That's enough, you know, and getting to work with this one thing instead of making it overly complicated um, makes a really heartfelt and, and really relatable story that you can really take from your own experience, um, which made this character so much fun to play and um, and it's so easy to, to get to know these other people and, um, and get, get this relationships from, from these other actors, one, because they're just amazing actors, but also because the way it's written, it's just, it, it's already there, you know? Um, we don't have to think up of some backstory to why things are the way they are, you know? And, oh, this person did this to me once and now I'm angry, you know? It's like, there's there's doesn't need to be any of that. Um, and uh, so that really helped, I think, in, in getting to know this character as well. But on top of that, though, even though if there's no need for any of that, are there parts of you that thought, not necessarily going into it that you wanted to delve into that, any of that, but are there, when it came to the, like, I was talking to Michael about this, you know, there's there's a certain point where each of the siblings know that a certain character is coming up is because of something going on in that situation. So was there a little bit wanting to delve at least a little bit into like, well, I know if I'm doing this voice, it's because this is the one that's trying to help feel this thing, or this is the one that it does want to pull that information out. So I have to use this voice, <laughs> even though it may just be in the script, it's like, use use the Marge voice or whatever it may be. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Uh, uh, a little bit, I guess. Uh, uh, I, they're the ones who really go all out with the the voices, especially towards the end. I, I don't want to ruin it for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that in, in that way, they really had to like work on kind of those. But I think what um i think what really helped us too is um in thinking about those things is that we had a chance beforehand to really work on them in rehearsals and i think with within that moment um working on it together um i guess we kind of uh had our own ideas about them you know while working on them instead of it having to be like a setup thing that we had to learn in order to do the scene, like, oh, and I have to make this specific voice. It was something that we rehearsed on together, almost mm. like 
a collaborative thing, kind of like a family type, like what we probably would have done as kids, um, which uh, it made it kind of a, a naturalist, natural thing, you know? So yeah, I guess you're right. It, 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 is, it is very interesting to cons consider them like having a different motive for why you're using this voice at this specific time. Um, uh, and why they had these specific voices. Like, why is it, why does this Randy Roundabout really love those movies so much? And why, why does, uh, why the Valley Girl voice specifically, you know? And, um, and it just really depends on kind of how you, how you use them in the moment. So, uh, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, but again, that's interesting to think about too, I guess, even as a, whether it's myself as a viewer, or maybe when you see the, when saw the film and completed, where again, you're saying that it felt like it was freeing because I was we were just having fun and I didn't have to think about a lot of this backstory. But then again, as you're watching like that, you know, well, you know the 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 Randy Roundabout se section, let's per se, like at the party, and you're just like, it's so like there's parts of it that are so disturbing because it's like just watching the three of them in public doing all of this is like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. But then also like, as they're kind of emoting what is in essence a happy emotion. You're just like, you, you really see that they're kind of broken behind it. So there is a lot that you can take in as a viewer yourself, maybe then compared to when you were performing it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just went on a rant. I don't even know where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> I do remember if if we could talking about that scene, what I felt really heartbreaking, uh, which I think works so well. Cause I know people, I remember see, having people watch and being like, Oh, but that one in particular uh, scene in yeah. particular is just so so much. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be that way because it's 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 so sad too. To because Maggie the whole time is trying to bring back these voices, trying to bring back this childhood that I guess they kind of lost, and um, and towards the end they are using the voices, but they're kind of like shitting on them. You know, they're kind yeah. of like using them in such a kind of a gross way that you know them fighting and, and and talking about these really serious topics but using this voice it kind of ruins the image a little bit ruins their childhood and and turning it into something that they used to fight about you know and uh so uh it's it's so interesting to see that and it may i guess for it really is kind of a pivotal moment for maggie where um while they're because she really wants the family back again and now they're using this childhood to argue and it it kind of ruins the magical element of it um yeah. i think that that is a really important moment to have in that scene that it really it, it is it is kind of hard to watch but um it's it reminds me a lot of like you know uh moments that i've had with my siblings you know we fight and we have if we you know kind of bring back some stuff that's kind of like personal and um and 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 use it as almost like a tool to to fight the other person and it's you know it's very petty but you know that's siblings you know um to this I day guess. my brother's still gonna <laughs> tell me that i threw this yankees water this yankees new york yankees water bottle at him that i never did and to this day we're still you're still gonna bring it up and we're still gonna argue about it and, and i'm still gonna right. blame it on some ghost <laughs> And it's still, and it's still, and it, and even though it's like maybe like a tiny thing, it can still be used to like, like a, as a really personal thing, you know? So uh, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, so it's, it's very realistic, I think. Well, talking about magical moments, um, you know, because here at Overdue Rentals, we do like to talk about films that were once, you know, everybody knew about it, they talked about them, but for some reason, they don't get as much notice anymore yeah. and even though it wasn't that long ago it was i think mainly because of the pandemic Greta Gretel and hansel doesn't kind of get the notice that it, it kind of once had and i was wondering if uh, we could talk about it for a second because you know for, for most of us you know the first time we're going to remember seeing you is because of it and i'm wondering if there was any trepidation going into something like Gretel and hansel saying i wonder if i'm going to start getting typecast for horror films and i don't know if i want to do it or that doesn't even go into your head at this point I think I think the one thing about uh, uh, Gretel and Hansel that I really loved was what it, it was very very different. I mean, you you some people kind of typecast like, oh, this is horror, and then you did another yeah. horror thing, so you must really like horror. 
it's but if if you watch Gretel and Hansel, it's it's completely different. You know, it's it's not like a a big horror, uh, you know, uh, fighting a clown. It's it's very kind of it's a, it's psychological. It's 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 really a, a, a totally different thing. And and I re- I loved that movie. I loved pl- being part of that because it's such a. I mean, getting to be on that set, and you know, they they built that house um, oh. and everything, and it was it was just and. So the interior in- interior as well it wasn't just an exterior then an interior on set it was like one whole thing uh, it was they built like the exterior okay um, in this in this uh in this park almost um and then the interior i think was uh uh was was in the studio but um uh, the bits and pieces of it were were still were still outside but it it was just uh getting getting to work with that it was just i feel like it was an amazing movie that not a lot of people got a chance to see i think one because they had uh i think one of it was because they had this idea of it being another it kind of thing you know Mm. and i I think going into that it wasn't uh you know i think it should have gotten more you know notice but uh no i really loved working on it it was um the director is amazing i mean everyone was such an amazing actor on that. So uh, it's still one of my favorite movies to date because uh, there's that one line that my family really likes uh, uh, where I say, cause it's kind of funny in some in some moments uh, or my brother says like, oh, wh- uh, why, do you, why do you always do that? And I say, I don't always do anything. I'm not a clock. And I don't know why, but it's such a funny line for me. And uh, so many of my friends love that moment. And uh, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, thank you for for mentioning it. It's- yeah, no, it's like, that's what we do here. It's like, there are certain things that, again, I, I don't know also, I mean, granted, the film came out technically before the official lockdowns happened, but it was months before that we were hearing about all this stuff happening. And even though it made it to the theater, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that was going on that people was like, they kind of shifted away. And it was almost like the first victim in a way mm-hmm. of, of what we saw. And so like people need to, people need to think about it more. And they have to, again, not to try and connect it specifically with one thing that people know well, but if you're going to compare it to something, like you said, yeah, it's not it. It's more of like, it's more like the witch and more people are going to more and more people are going to see all that. So they have to rediscover it at this point. So that's what we're yeah. here to do. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but but then again, you're talking about, you, you, you liked working with Oz, you know, is that something also where you enter it in knowing his, his family history and, and what, what his kind of like the legacy that goes behind that is just like, no, again, I like the script. I like him. I like what he's bringing to it. Here we go. I didn't know too much about his family history going into it. Actually. Uh, I didn't really make, too much of a connection. I just really liked, I think the one thing that really brought me along on it was, uh, um, I, I read the script and I liked it, but it was it was actually still in its early stages. Mm. Uh, um, he really, he, he yet to really do something with it, but uh, he really sold it to me when the first time I had a conversation with him um, and he was such an interesting guy and, and he was, he, I could really tell that I would have a lot of fun working on it with him. Um, so right after that, uh, interview, um, the zoom thing, uh, it caught my attention. And then I, afterwards, it just, I became more and more excited to, you know, be a part of it. And also the, the, uh, I'm going to say that cinematography, cinematography is, 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 is amazing that the, the director of that, he's so good, you know, gorgeous Um, looking movie. Yeah. I mean, um, so, yeah, no, I think, and the, uh, the frame, I forget what it's, I don't want to, uh, the way it was shot, the specific, I'm going to say the <laughs> wrong thing. I, you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. It, it's just, it, I haven't seen that before, so it's was, it was really cool. Was there, I mean, it's, it's left kind of open to the fact that you maybe thought that they were planning on going further and doing more films with it. Was, was that, you know, if that was ever a plan or not, or? Um, more more films of uh, of, yeah, of you as the characters, yeah. Uh, no, I I didn't I I thought it was it seemed very uh, uh, left open. I, I I don't think it 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 was gonna have another one. 
I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. I felt like um, it seemed like the the story uh, seemed to end in a way to leave the audience like thinking, oh, what's going to happen next? But um, not in a way that doesn't make the story itself complete, you know? Yeah. Of course, absolutely. But, you know, also, I'm going to have to let you go in a second. So I guess also with that, you know, I know it'll be a, a while now, especially with the writer's strike, but, you know, people going crazy over D&D at this point. <laughs> does, so with this, with the writer's strike and everything going on, does that leave room for you guys to kind of talk about what you want maybe for when, when things can start up again? And like, I want to do this, I want to do that, make sure this happens, please let me do this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, oh, you mean as for Dungeons and Dragons? or Yeah, or yeah. Well, it could be um, anything, but yeah, specifically in that as well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that. I think uh, I'm really glad people went to see it. Uh, I uh, I think it. I think people starting to see it a lot more because of streaming and everything. But uh, uh, um, I think the one thing that I, I I feel like it's it's important to to know is 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 that there's so much you can do with Dungeons and Dragons just as because it's it's about Dungeons and Dragons as a game is basically you're making a story. Yeah. you're writing this this campaign you're you're with friends and you it's basically kind of like a an acting exercise <laughs> a little bit you know <laughs> it's like you you're this character what will you do in this situation you know uh, yes and kind of thing and um so getting to do that and and you can do so much more with it so if there's a chance there's an, another one which will be kind of cool I, I I'm really curious to see what what'll come up with it but um, I think they did cut a good one off again. Um, yeah, if need be. If need be. And, you know, I think it, it's a good solid story and uh, how they could bring new characters in and start another thing. Because that's the thing about Deaths and Dragons. It's, uh, you know, uh, you can, it's, it's just basically creating stories. So uh, you can, the world's still there, you know. Absolutely. Sophia, thank you again so much for your time. Have a great rest of the day. Yeah, no, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. I'd rather, I'd rather do, I'd rather just rant on back and forth if we could. Great. great. Fantastic. Bye. Bye. Thank you. you know, so, oh, go on. We both, we both had like that twinkling to go with the same. You Wait, go for it, sir. You going or am I going? Yeah, well, that, as you first. You're, you're, no, you're no, please, play. please. Right after you. Well, thank you for Sophia. Thank you, Sophia, for coming on to Overdue Rentals, uh, though yes. I was not there to personally. I was not personally there. It's still awesome to just have Sophia here because she is one of those young performers that, well, she's just one of those performers, period, that was like a, like arrived on the scene like a flash, thanks to it. Yeah. Well, and also, then oh, ahead, I, sorry. you know, if if we were just, if we if I wanted to break the rules the same way you did with uh, Singing Detective, I'd probably do the same with, oh, what's the name of it? Oh, the miniseries? It no, the well, that would be an interesting one, even though I don't think that's like, don't think you that's have to know the name of that really one. Overdue. No, no, uh, what is it? I'm not okay with this. Oh, oh, I, don't let's not talk about that because that's one of the few things that I've yet to act. I haven't had the brain power, yeah, oh, I it. need to sit down and watch it, so I, I've been holding off. So. Okay. All right, Let's, I'm not going to ruin it, yeah. but that would be something that I would break this rule for, especially if we could get Sophia on because they canceled it after one season. It was a great, fantastic single season. And it ends on this point where it's like, you're really going to leave us like that? Yeah, don't, uh, well, that, uh, well, after I watch it, I'll come back and talk to you that, about that. But yeah. I also, we don't also should thank Sophia, especially since uh, it turned out we were the last uh, person, we were the last outlet to speak to her that day. And so she was, uh, a little, a little bit on the I'm losing my mind side of things when we sat down to talk. Uh, so thank you for keeping your mind to talk to us. And um, with that also being said, I, I, it's funny because you know I I I pose this to question to her too when it comes to the adults. Like it seemed like this would have been one of those situations where I imagine the toughness of kind of pulling off a performance like this. But to her, it was just it was fun. It was just fun. She got to like do whatever the hell she wanted, even though it, it was it was could have been exhausting like that. And she just had a blast. So that's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, again, this is the world of indie film where the budgets may not be high, but the creative freedom is just e e exponentially there. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that was the same case with Greta and Hansel, because this isn't a huge 
budget production, nor was it the, I mean, I know Orion is still technically a, an MGM subsidiary, yeah. but first of all, it was cool to see that Orion logo again. Cause I know they've changed it and it's a completely different thing now. Forget about that, changing it. That was my child. I mean, that would like, you'd almost, the original film would be an Orion film when I was a kid. Oh yeah. I know. I, I, I come on. One of the most iconic Orion films ever. Robocop. What's another <laughs> one? Silence of the Lambs. What's another one? FX. And, and just that logo was the art of the art of yes, illusion? yes, NFX two and UHF. <laughs> a lot, a lot of movies, except except for as we know, the Last Dragon, because that was TriStar. Yeah, I don't know how'd that come up. Huh? How'd that come up? Because I always mention that that's when yeah. I, when I was a kid, if the TriStar oh. logo came up. The chances of being the Last Dragon was ninety nine percent. But yeah, I mean, Osgood Perkins just this beautiful expressionist dark fairy tale that i i wonder if they did have something in the hopper for a sequel or if they just potentially it seemed like they were planning that. something i mean she she had it was never spoken about with, her, with with sophia so you know and she never planned on it being that way but it seemed like that's what they had laid out in front of them but i will go back and say because again she she was unaware of Oz's family history. And I'll be honest with you, even though I've seen his name before and seen him up until a certain point, I did not only not only know that the actor version was the same person as the filmmaker version. Like I didn't, like when I've seen him in films, I didn't know who he was. And then I realized it's him. And then I realized he he is uh, Anthony Perkins' son. Yep. And had no clue. That's, I know it's it's so wild. Like that's one of those things where you first learn it. It's like, what? And then you get it. And you can get that in, you know, he, something about his father must have rubbed off on him and those sensibilities. Like mm. maybe he just, he was someone who's rooted in this genre because you really feel it, especially in just how he visually presents this film. It's like, I, I'm looking at this and I'm sort of thinking of what they did to a certain extent, what they did with the tragedy of Macbeth, where it's very much old school expressionist filmmaking that's very... Like there's scenes where the walls are towering yeah. over these children, even though you know it's probably not that big of a set. The way it's <laughs> shot, the way it's framed, it's like the walls, like these kids are so small to the world. Well, what I found is, you know, like it's, it came out before uh, the film I'm about to mention. So it's not like it was trying to rip anything off. And, you know, I don't think anything was ever trying to rip anything off for either of these films. But if I was trying to think of a film in recent memory, because you, since you brought up the tragedy of Macbeth, if I were to try and compare it to something more recent, like this is very much the Green Knight in a lot of ways. Yes, yes, this is this would have been an A twenty four movie. This this I'm one I'm surprised this wasn't an A twenty four movie because this is very much in that milieu. Because I was also picking up on hints of the witch or the Vivitch. Yeah, if you will. yeah. Well, that's why I wonder. That's why I wonder if maybe some of this film's uh, inability to hit with massive audiences came from them thinking it was going to be more of a, mm, you know, conjuring type fair compared to a more esoteric type of film. And so when, you know, first audiences saw it, they weren't necessarily, this doesn't mean they were saying bad or good things, but like, it just didn't, the word didn't spread because it didn't come out to be what they expected it to be. Yeah. Or was more I mean it to be. I mean, this definitely, thinking back to how they sold this movie from what I remember, this did seem to be one of those things where they were selling it as more overt, in your face, sort of like you could imagine just the stings being in the trailer and all these different things where this is a deliberately slow film, but in the best yeah. way possible. And this is only about an hour and a half or so, maybe a little under an hour and a half. There is no, no time wasted and no time and like no story or performance wasted in this. It is very much mounting dread from moment one. And that's another thing that's really yeah, well, surprising it's, about this because especially if you're just thinking back to the fairy tale itself, this is much more brutal. Well, that's yeah, because it's like even even though, again, thinking about the fairy tale itself, which again, this, you know, takes a very big left turn uh in terms in terms of what uh, the actual story is, but thinking about it then, you know, yes, it's you know. They're kids and they're in danger, um, in a very in a very general sense. But this film, even so, like the, the 
not just dread, like the, some of the madness that's going on around them when they're in like the town sections of, of it, you know, and especially when they you, you start there and you kind of come back to it and their mother has all of a sudden twisted into this deranged, almost um, you, you, Resident Evil-like, uh, not zombie, but, you know, just like this, this infected being that's that's yeah that's like that's she just burns. gonna like tear into them you know it's like it's like wow okay we went there yeah just like that whole thing where she's just telling him like you gotta get out and you gotta go and you know dig grave for mommy and then like coming at them with the axe and yes yeah that well, that too yeah well this is overtly a hansel and gretel story i wonder if there, there, there's certain lines and certain moments in here that make me think that perhaps there's other fairy tales they wanted to play around with because when mm. they encounter the stranger earlier and they see that weird creature, he tells them not to stray off the path because there's wolves that are dressed politely but will eat you alive. Are you also implying, I mean, because I know what you're implying as far as the story goes, but are you also implying that maybe all of the movies would have this gentleman telling people about another thing they should avoid and that would be the next movie. I mean, I wasn't thinking that, but that's a really good through line and I'll gladly seize upon that. But <laughs> it just feels like this is, this could have been a, I, I know cinematic universe gets to be overused, but let's face it, the Grimm's fairy tales were already a universe before any of that stuff ever broke onto the scene. Mm -hmm. They could have had a nice little anthology series that's loosely connected by that stranger and all these different things, or it may not have even been loosely connected, flat out connected, because what if her brother grows up to be like the Huntsman and like helps Snow White against the Wicked Queen or something? Like there's all these different stories that you could bring in here. I don't think that's particularly Grimm's, but. Well, now, now it doesn't have to be also, I would say, but that with that being said, you've, you've, you've opened up two questions that I want to, well, one question, then one thing I want to go back to. More of a comment than a question. So if you, if but well, if you, yeah, but if you were talking about this whole, you know, cross Snow White thing, um, are you inferring that they would make their own version, or it would actually cross over into the um, the the movies they made with uh, with um, why can't Stewart? I remember Kristen Stewart? I couldn't remember no. Stewart for some reason. With Kristen they'd Stewart, they make their own. They'd I don't think they okay. I don't think they'd want to be connected to that in any way. No offense to anybody involved, but. That's a more blockbuster, fantastical thing. That's not like to to harken back to your Green Knight comparison. That's not David Lowry presents Grimm's yeah. Fairy Tales because and and just in in or Osgood Perkins presents. We could say just because I don't want to insult Mr. Perkins by not by like doing the David Lowry presents, but like just yeah, sure. Thematic, like 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 atmospherically, that I I agree with that comparison where it's just. It's colorful, but at the same time, it is very dour and very serious. Well, that also slightly fits into that other point I wanted to make too, because going back to the idea of where maybe this film didn't hit as much as it could have. And again, this was also, I mean, it was way technically in in normal time, way before COVID. It was also right before COVID. Um, and so who knows what what you know what effects could have come out of it. I, not very little, I imagine. But in the same breath, I think there's also people who were remembering the uh, Hansel and Gretel, what, what do they call Hansel and Gretel witch hunters, the one with Jeremy Renner or whatever. Yeah. And I and I it was so and I think it's not that close, but I think it's so close in time wise that other people may have just like shut off thinking that it was just in the continuation of that and like they already had their fill of that and just like what we were we're done at this point. Why go forward? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up when the Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters came out, and maybe I don't. Maybe because I want to say it was I, like 2015, but maybe it's too late. Was 2013. 2013. I was like, okay, yeah. So I really enjoyed Tommy Brokola's other movies. Like I loved Dead Snow. I loved Violent Night. Yeah. But for some reason, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. I remember seeing that in theater and just not digging it at all. Maybe I owe it another watch. To see if I'm real, if if I'm like no, you don't. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I guess if Matt's telling me I don't, I don't. I mean, nobody does. Honestly, nobody really does. You <laughs> know what? You, you, you know, all of this is just circling around the fact that we need to do a Brothers Grimm episode. Here's the thing. Oh, here we because go. there are technically plenty of other Terry Gilliam overdue rentals that are much better films than the Brothers Grimm, and I would feel 
The only reason I would do a Brothers Grimm episode before some other things is because we happen to have so-and-so on, and that was the best fit for overdue rentals. Um, you know, because, I mean, like, if it's Matt Damon, it probably wouldn't be that. If it was Matt Damon, I'd, I'd probably pick something like um, The Informant or um, yeah. there's something else I'm sure I could pull out of my ass. But uh, yeah. over over Brothers Grimm. So, like, you know, who would it be? You know, what would it be? that Who would come on and we really have to talk about Brothers Grimm with them before getting to some much more important Gilliam? I mean, I didn't say I'd put it over Brazil. I think Brazil Definitely would be not. one of the A number ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. We're, we're simpatico on that. I don't want you to think I'm saying, no, we got to do Brothers Grimm before we do Brazil. Like, if there was ever a golden tiered shelf of overdue rentals that need to be talked about, Brazil's one of them, especially because no matter how much people talk about his difficulties and talk about the film itself, it still kind of just sits in that, that orbit. I'm going to be honest with you. And again, because here's the thing, Terry Gilliam, you know, I grew up, he was my king when I, when I was growing up, he was all of his films, the ones I wanted to see that, that was the guy that like made me want to do a lot of stuff. Um, and there are plenty of, you know, we, we've talked about plenty of times, other movies, and I'm not going to go into all of them. Cause again, time ban, I say things, the overdue rental, uh, Baron Munchausen's overdue rental on my mind, but it's now even come to the point where 12 monkeys to me is an overdue rental because not only am I amazed with the amount of people who haven't seen it or forget to talk about it, but when people talk about best best uh, uh, Bruce Willis and or Brad Pitt uh, performances, nobody mentions 12 Monkeys. Brad Pitt won yeah, a Golden yes. Globe for Best Supporting Actor, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the Oscars. Bruce Willis killed in that fucking movie. And why aren't people mentioning this one that comes up? So I'm amazed that 12 Monkeys is now all of a sudden an overdue rental. Despite the fact that it had a four season TV show on sci-fi. And I agree with you. This is that is this is definitely one of Bruce Willis's best performances. It's one of his most understated, one of his most fragile. Yeah. And that's not something you get a lot of from Willis. And he just did it phenomenally. Even, even the Brad Pitt thing kills me. It's like, the, oh, the yeah. dude won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor, was nominated and probably should have, I can't remember who he's up against now, but probably should have won the Academy Award for Best, best Supporting Actor. And it's just like, I watch all these top 10 best Brad Pitt performances. I'm like, it doesn't even get mentioned. I'm like, what is wrong with people? That was a DiCaprio moment for him. That was a DiCaprio moment where he sort of broke away from being the pretty boy who was in things like Devil's Own or Legends of the Fall. And everyone yeah, just automatically you know saw him and thought, ah. and then that role just, you take away Brad's cigarettes, you take away Brad's sanity and you just let him do it. Yeah, I will be honest, and you know, this is coming from somebody who's like, I'm not a massive Brad Pitt fanatic, but out of all of these, you know, what the famous, you know, hunky, whatever you want to call him, actors, like he's probably the one I appreciate the most because, barring stuff like Meet Joe Black and maybe one other film I can't even remember now, he always actually chose roles that were not really the big heartthrob front runners. I mean, granted, River Runs Through It maybe, but River Runs Through It was also like a, a three hour Robert Redford, you know, like what normal audiences consider bore fest. Like that's not what you do when you're the, the romantic leading man at that point of his career where he was ruling, ruling everything. You know, it's like, he wasn't that movie, right? I'm not mistaking him for somebody else. No, no, he was, he was. It was <laughs> I, him I started thinking about it, I was like, wait a second. It was a River Runs Through It, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are a movie about fly fishing with your father. You know, it's like, yeah. He chose roles even at that point that most people in his position probably wouldn't have chosen. And I'm sure there's plenty of movies I'm forgetting about at the time, but like it was very rare for him to be in the typical leading role that you'd expect for somebody of his, of his, I don't want to say stature, but of his presence, I guess, even back then. I love me, Joe Black. I don't. Well, then I guess you'll have to be absent for that episode. No, well, just, I mean, look, I don't know if that's an overdue rental, though, because the, the scene of him getting hit by the cars is like all over. It's an overdue media. rental. I don't care about the meme. The <laughs> meme is a good one, though. That is a good meme. Because I remember watching that movie and thinking, Jesus, fuck! Like, <laughs> right at the beginning, it's like, ah! So, so Brad Pitt, we're, I know Brad Pitt's supposed to be in this movie. I didn't think he's supposed to be pancaked or ping-ponged by a friggin' taxi. Oh, and a van. There's like five cars, two cars hit him, right? It was a van. I don't know. Ooh, we're gonna. We're, that's I think a drinking game in and of itself. He got hit one, hit one, hit him one, and then one on the way on the other direction hit him as well. I mean, I guess Joe Black could have guided Gretel and Hansel through the woods. Yeah, exactly. Let's go, let's go back to the, the the topic on hand, I guess. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. It's like you know, 
in a lot of ways, you can think that, you know, like Hansel, while he exists in the movie, is almost for he's not forgotten about, but he doesn't appear for one time because this is her movie. This is Gretel's movie. That's oh, the whole point. This definitely. is a story from her point of view. Uh, and a lot of different stuff that goes on, of course, in the in the original, uh, I don't even know if it was considered fairy tale or fable. Um, but the Arthur you know, Miller original. Sorry? The Arthur Miller original. The Arthur Miller original? You lost me. Arthur Miller, the playwright. Yeah, no, yeah, but I still that's, I don't still that's the joke that he wrote Hans and Gretel originally. I still don't get the joke. Because you're like you're like, oh, I don't know if I call it the fable or the fairy tale, and then I just never mind. It didn't it didn't work. I'm sorry. I that one definitely got me lost. Was he married to Marilyn Monroe when he wrote it? <laughs> one would think it came after. <laughs> Ooh, all right. I don't know if I want to touch that. <laughs> Well, I don't know how I don't know how how would she, would she be the witch? Is that what you're implying? I don't. Well, I, don't I don't know, know what his attitude was after their after their marriage. So maybe it was maybe I'm I'm making a bad gag on Arthur Miller here. So. <laughs> Certainly nothing against Marilyn Monroe. But yeah, this, this is this is yeah this is that's why it's Gretel and Hansel, not Hansel and Gretel, which is usually what it is. That's why the movie is Gretel and Hansel because this is this is her story. It also just works alphabetically. It works better. It's like Gretel and Hansel. That's cool. You're yeah, working... it works alphabetically, but you're so, I'm so used to Hansel and Gretel. It does still feel a little weird, to be honest with you. It does, but I do really enjoy the fact that it's her story, and I also enjoy the fact that this is a true coming-of-age story because she's becoming a young woman. And through this sort of crossroads in her life, like she's just hitting puberty, and her she's unlocking these powers. And again... This is something that you would you you've seen in in other movies and stories before, especially something like Carrie, and it's a it's it's all at once low key and more dreadful just because of the imagery. It's not in your face about it, and it's not just shock, shock, shock. It's slowly turning up the heat, and all of this imagery is slowly getting more ghastly and more disturbing. Well, I think that's also where maybe some of the issues. For some people who who did see it, like maybe come in because while if if even if the imagery is striking, I think some of it, especially when you get to the whole, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, uh, base oven basement thing or whatever you, you want to call it, where like some of it is just like I don't know if you can officially make sense of most of it, and I don't know if you're supposed to make sense of most of it, um, but I think there are certain people who probably left going like I don't know what what I just watched. Even if it is beautiful, you can definitely make mo- make sense of those scenes, especially the last one, which is basically just you've upgraded the scenery for the finale of Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, that's what you're talking about when she's outside, though, when when she holds her hands up or. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like you're talking about the basement and like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The big table and everything. And like, that's no, I, I think people could. No, and, uh, make out most look, of that. it makes. Yeah, because, again, you know, again, using a more recent example even though i hate this movie uh, and i know you don't so i apologize but uh, even if you want to play a little uh, black phone game with it uh you know i'm Ooh, not saying yeah but i think some of the imagery within that itself also like i don't know if like some of the things that happen to or things the way the bodies look are meant to you know invoke something that happened to them specifically or it's just a visual you know that's what i'm that's kind of what i'm yeah. I'm, I'm itching at yeah, and especially because there are there's a very strong parallel to that in the ending of the film. Yes, like just the fact. Yes, I I see where you're going with that, and I'm sorry you didn't like the black phone. I really love that's it. that's a discussion for another time because I'm not. Yeah. Why well, I don't mind going off on tangents. I actually love going off on tangents. I'm not in the mood for the black phone talk right now because I. Son, I think it's time we need to sit down and have the black phone talk. Let's have the black phone talk, son. You see, um, when Ethan Hawke puts on his special mask. <laughs> But that's also like, but that is aside from that, though, you know, I thought that was also great hearing from Sophia, too, that, you know, even though it's fairly obvious that they're actually out in the wilderness, that the fact that this was all very much an on set with, you know, great large, you know, again, it was a shell, but they built that cabin out in the middle of the of the forest and all this other stuff um, is a wonderful thing to hear and, and know once you're whether you're watching it now or watching it later after you hear this. Uh, it's, it's great to know, you know, there are people out there still doing stuff without a, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be that person. Cause there are, there are plenty, even movies that are big, 
you know, computer graphic movies, you know, sometimes they're not as CG as you think, but this is a little different. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes you shoot one of your critical finale scenes in a Best Buy parking lot with a blue screen. And sometimes you you put the effort in and you build a set and, and you do interiors and you just make it work. Okay. So I'm going to be that person because I'm not sure if you're actually referring to a specific movie that did this thing in a Best Buy oh, yeah. or it's just an example. Uh, oh, that was Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, I had, see, I had no idea. Apparently Thor Love and Thunder Taika Waititi said that there was, uh, I don't know what scene it was, but there was a scene where they shot in a Best Buy parking lot with a, a blue screen. It's like, wow, I all of a sudden have been given a lot of insight as to why this movie is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm even like, I'm not saying coming around to, because I, Again, to, to me, I don't mind because there, could, there are plenty of things I don't even know are CGI and I think they're great. Or there are things that are not CGI and I think they're awful. So you can go either way, but I am more open to the idea of, you know, the um, the big um, LED walls they're using in the Disney shows, whatever oh, like that. Because yeah, that's technically like that. more like an old school um, projection. projection or even matte painting somehow. Um, just in a, in a new in a new form. So, like, if they if they do that more often, I'll be happier with that. Oh, absolutely. I I totally dig that that fact that there is now basically an apparatus where you can have a moving matte painting, and you can have something that your actors can reference. And if you want to go in and touch it up through CGI know how, okay, fine. But the fact that it's there, and and Kenneth Branagh actually used it on Murder on the Orient Express too, if I remember correctly. Like they built oh, the train, and then they had like LED screens for like this. I think, don't quote me on it, but still, the fact that that's there, and you have your actors being able to interact with that, that makes all the difference. You heard it here first, people. Michael Reyes confirms that Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yes, I confirm that Kenneth Branagh exists, and I cannot wait for Haunting in Venice. I know you can't. I'm 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 uh, I'm indifferent. Uh, I, that's, that's the thing about the Poirot stuff. Like, I know it always was, you know, he was always a slightly comedic type character, even in the books, you know, but like something about it now when I'm seeing it, like when you did the Peter Ustinov stuff, there was a certain affectation of the times the way the film looked in the seventies and the way, you know, everything came off that it felt like it fit more. Like now it feels like it's kind of corny sometimes and I'm not sure how I feel about it. So I'm, I'm going to hold my breath until I see the movie. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I hate everything. You know this. I hate everything. Not everything. I wasn't going to be the one to say it. <laughs> most things, most, not most things. A lot of things I don't like. I, what can I, what can I say? It takes a lot to impress me. But what do you think of Gretel and Hansel? I think it looked great. I think uh, I think it lost its way a little bit. I think it needed what do you call those things? Bread breadcrumbs. <laughs> That's something else that was surprisingly missing. No breadcrumbs. Yeah, no zero. I, well, Just unless pain. you like, so there's some metaphorical version in there that we missed. We were because we weren't paying attention because we were so enthralled by the way it looked, performances. You know, because again, it's not like it's not a bad movie. It looks great. It's you know what it is. It's actually we, I say. Um, I did the reference to the Green Knight, but I think it's like on this weird scale where the Green Knight's on one end and the other end is beyond the Black Rainbow. And somewhere in the middle, they meshed and made Gretel and Hansel. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially when there's also like the costuming for that, those dark figures kind of borrows from Yadorowski's Holy Mountain, I think. Yeah. Well, I, look, at least that's what I think. You can go, yeah, you can look, go both ways on, on the Holy Mountain because the, <laughs> that thing has a lot of also very bright and uh, and uh, viscerally joyful costuming in it, whether or not it's happening in a very strange and fucked up scene or not. <laughs> yeah, but just Gretel and Hansel, very good art house horror film that isn't too pretentious about itself and actually worked for me. Like, I would take this over the, the, the witch any day. Interesting. I don't know about that. That's a good oh, question. I was not a fan of the witch. You were not a fan of the witch. Okay. I was not a fan of The Witch. I was not a fan of The Lighthouse. I think the one Robert oh. Eggers movie that I was a fan of is The Northman. Interesting, because I'm I, I prefer the I prefer those two over The Northman. Yeah, that's interesting. No. no, and I'm I'm still worried about Nosferatu. Why are you worried about it? Because it's a Robert Eggers film. Just because it's a Robert Eggers. Film. Okay. What about The Witch? Didn't you like? I'm curious. I, from off the top of my head, I don't remember much, but I probably thought it was just very 
pretentious up its ass. It's like, like I say with A24, like it works half of the time. Half of the time it gets it right half. It gets it half right. And I don't just, think it's pretentious. I just think that the only thing my issue with The Witch was that it, it was, even though I enjoyed it, I did feel it was going too slow at the start. Oh, it's glacially paced. <laughs> they could have used more Black Phillip. Black Phillip is the one thing, like Black Phillip overall. Well, Black, like, maybe they originally planned to, but I don't know if you know this or not, because I, I interviewed Ralph Ennis for the movie. Uh, and I'm oh. sure he, I'm sure it's been talked about besides him and by him by a lot of teams, but I interviewed him for the movie and um, he said Black Phillip was one of the worst things in the entire world. The, the, the thing would just ram him and anybody every five seconds. Like he had bruises on his side at the end of every day because Black Phillip would just keep ramming him out of nowhere. So maybe there was planned to be more, but since Black Phillip was so uh, uncontrollable that they couldn't do it. Yeah, like the, the two things that I liked about The Witch were Black Phillip, and I could tell that Anya Taylor-Joy was going to blow up, that she was just going to be all over the place because she's that phenomenal. Who, who is she? Who, she's been in stuff recently? I don't know who this is. Anya Taylor-Joy? This is a joke, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I I even you had me for a moment there, too. That would have been really weird, especially oh, since well, not only not only is it obvious that who she is, but like we've we've done we've talked about movies with her in it. It's like yeah, we did the menu. Yes, we did. Yeah, we had uh, we had the writers of the menu on. Everybody, go back and check out that episode. But also now's your now's the chance for you to go check out Hansel and Gretel, check out the adults, which is out now. Come back, let us know what you thought. But of course, maybe you only know how to find the version where you listen to us. Maybe you don't know how to get find the version of us where you speak back to us. In that case, Mike, where can people find how to communicate with us? Oh, you don't need any blood sacrifices. You certainly don't need any black goats. All you need are the following social media handles. We're at TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, at Twitter at Rentals Overdue, on Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And if you want to email us love letters, recipes for sleeping drafts, or your own trail of breadcrumbs to maybe why Matt doesn't like certain things. You can email us at overdrewrentals at gmail.com. And that gag still applies to me too. That gag applies to me too, but you were the one that first said that this you hated is, that, everything. I, so. I, I, again, yeah, that is very true. I am not singling you out though, because I'm as much of a crank as you are. But Mike, Mike, saw, Mike saw me getting ready to wind up and go like, what about you? <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I, I will. I call it as I see it, but I also own up to my own part of the field. No, but, absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm much, I am much more judgmental than a lot of people, especially Mike. And if you want to listen to some of those judgments on past films or some of our gushings on past films, because uh, I believe both of us really loved the Blob, 19, the 1980s version of the Blob, and there's other episodes that you'll just hear us both either melting over a movie or maybe not. But the point is we discuss it all politely and you can find it all wherever you ethically source your podcast. Pardon me, podcasts, Apple podcasts. That's staying uh, in. Spotify, Audible, uh, so many other platforms we were on, so many other platforms we will be on. Uh, but while you are searching out those episodes, you can also rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And in some places like Spotify, you can actually leave episode-specific questions and feedback. And we would love that because we want to know how to keep the rental counter open, how to keep all you wonderful listeners coming back and how to find a proper closing for an episode dealing with Gretel and Hansel. So I'm just going to flat out give this over to, I'm just going to give my fate to the wind and say, Red Cross. Red Cross. Red Cross.